0: At upcoming times here on this world, the time of tribulation. The tribulation will be a time of unparalleled disaster, terror, slaughter. There will be an upheaval over the entire earth from the North Pole to the South Pole and all points in between. The, the, uh, the tribulation is a time when Jesus, the land that was slain, actively takes the world back from the devil. We learned last week that there is a scroll with seven seals signifying the title deed of the world, of the earth. And there was only one who was worthy in the entire universe who was worthy to open the seals. And that was the land that was slain. So we know that Jesus begins to break them seals open in Revelation chapter six. And as every seal is broken, there's a new judgment that is poured out on the earth. The first was the rider on the white horse, an antichrist with an arrow with no bow, with no arrows uh, crown given to him. The second one was a red horse to make war all over the world. The second one was a black horse. Uh, who brings death through pestilence and war and disease and epidemic and pandemic and and slaughter and, and and martyrdom and things like that then we see that the prayers of all those saints those christians that died during the tribulation they're praying to god and their prayers are stored underneath the the altar in the heavenly temple and that's where they begin to pool. and those are the things that trigger the the sixth seal which is when god says step back i'll shake the world Every other time, he's, in, in the seals, he used to uh, write the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The fifth one was the prayer of the saints that's moved into the sixth seal. God opens it up himself and just begins to pour earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes and tsunamis and disasters upon the world. It's not a good time. At the beginning of the tribulation, the church has been raptured. The church has been gathered up and removed from the planet. The church no longer has a factor in the great tribulation because they have been removed. But what we're going to see today is that during the tribulation, God sends a evangelistic, supernaturally teflon coated group of evangelists out into the world to preach the gospel. 144,000 Jewish Christians... And I want to show that to you today, but but during the Great Tribulation, although the church is gone, God sends out this evangelistic team of 144,000 spirit-filled Jewish Christians to bring the gospel into the world for those who have never heard. We're going to elaborate on that today. It's that sixth seal marking the day of the great day of the Lord. This is when everything kind of hits the fan. It is a horrific climax to to what's been going on. God releases His judgments until now where we are in the book of Revelation. He assigned angels to, uh, to, to, uh, to promulgate punishment, but now God is doing them. In January, we're going to see the judgment of the seventh seal because out of the seventh seal comes the trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments, which we will get to in January. We're going to step back in December. And I'm going to do Christmas. But when we go back into season 2 of God Wins. It will be in January. And we're going to see what happens when that 7th seal is broken. In Revelation 6 there's no doubt that the 6th seal is broken. And the identity of the one giving judgment is God. The one who is giving judgment in the world during the great tribulation is God. However he will use the enemy, he will use Satan to get his judgment on the world. He will use the enemy to to cast judgment upon humanity. That's what he does. In Revelation 6, there's no doubt who the one is issuing judgment. There's also no doubt who the instrument of that judgment is. God is using the devil, Satan and the host of, of hell to to release hell on the earth now church i want you to understand something god doesn't just turn the world over to the devil for seven years during the great tribulation and says hey have at it do whatever you want every step of the way in the tribulation you need to understand something your god is calling every shot the devil doesn't do anything without god's approval or without working in god's will or plan so for these seven years, the devil is doing everything that God wants to do as far as releasing judgment upon the world. During the tribulation, God is pouring judgment, about, uh, uh, God is pouring judgment out upon the world and upon humanity. Let's go to chapter 7. This is where we are today. Uh, William Newell, in his commentary, calls this a parenthetical chapter. John MacArthur calls this a, um, an interlude chapter. This is kind of really a chapter that tells us what's going on up in heaven during the Great Tribulation. What's going down when the four horsemen are on the planet. Uh, We're going to see uh, in in this text today, it interprets the events taking place on earth. Because while while there's war happening here and famine happening here, a quarter of the world's population is slaughtered here. Uh, People have succumbed to starvation, the Holocaust of Christians, disease. I want to know what's going on in heaven while all hell's breaking loose on this earth. That's what chapter 7 is in the book of Revelation. I want to give you all the... I I wish I could give you all the answers, but I can't because I don't know all the answers. There are some things that simply are known by God. They are the secret things of God. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 29 says this. He says there are just some things that God only knows. They are the secret things of God. However, there are things that have been revealed to us that, that we should be doing. You know what? We may not be able to have all the answers of Revelation, but don't let that stop you from loving your neighbor like Jesus. You may not understand all of revelation, but don't let that stop you from loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Just because we don't understand everything, don't let that stop you from believing and doing what we do understand. Don't let that stop you from loving God, loving people, and living like Jesus. During the Great Tribulation, it's hard for us to imagine that somebody, after the rapture has occurred and all hells broke loose on the earth, it's hard for us to imagine somebody would say, "Eh, yeah, I'm going to follow the devil, I don't want that Jesus stuff." It's hard for us to imagine that somebody would reject Christ and choose Satan during the Great Tribulation, especially when all this stuff's going on. But church, can I tell you something? There's no tribulation going on right now, but people will still pick the devil over Jesus. They still do. That's why they're not here today. And you're saying, oh, preacher, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You're absolutely right. Then tell them, well, tell me how you show God you love him. You're here today because you love him. No other reason. Church, when the great tribulation occurs, the church has been gathered up and raptured out of the earth. It will be a sad time on this planet. It will be a sad time for people. And I'm going to tell you this. Church, if a person has rejected Jesus before the rapture, if a person has rejected the gospel before the rapture, I'm going to give you a little bit of speculation this morning, but I'm also going to give you Scripture to back up my speculation, and I could be wrong on this. But I have a feeling that if you've rejected Jesus before the rapture, you won't be able to tell Him yes after the rapture. You won't be able to receive Him. Preach where you get that from. I'm gonna show you. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 through 12. Paul's talking about the end. And basically, what I think he's saying is that after the, the rapture, there is no second chance for you to receive Jesus. If you've never heard, if you've never heard the gospel. Now, if you haven't heard the gospel and you hear the gospel during the great tribulation, I believe you can be saved. But if you rejected him before the rapture, I don't think you can tell him yes when it hits the fan let me show you where I get that from the coming of the lawless one and we've actually talked about this passage we've read this passage the lawless one is the antichrist the one on the white horse the first seal will be in accordance with the work of satan displayed all kinds of counterfeit miracles signs and wonders he's not had an original thought in his mind it's all counterfeit and every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing they perish because they refuse I don't want nothing to do with Jesus I don't want anything to do with the gospel don't want anything to do with the church don't want anything to do with the Bible don't want anything to do with Christians don't want anything to do with the kingdom of God they've refused the truth and they've refused to be saved for this reason God will send a powerful what they said yeah they said no to Jesus before the rapture yes to Satan whether intentionally or unintentionally Before the rapture, the rapture occurs. God sends a strong delusion upon the rest of humanity. So that they will believe the the lie is the Antichrist saying, I am God. I am the object of worship. I am the center of praise. So that they will be condemned, so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness hey, can I tell you something? I hope I'm wrong. I hope I got that speculation totally. I hope, I, I hope I'm an error. But when I read Second Thessalonians chapter 2, I was thinking, it doesn't really matter what I think or what I hope or what I believe. If I'm looking at the word of God, there's a strong argument there that you cannot say yes to Jesus after you've told him no before the rapture. And that feeling you have in the gut, that probably means you need to share your faith with some people that you're around the Thanksgiving table with this, this, this week. Because if they can't say yes after the rapture, then they better say yes before the rapture. And you can't save them. In fact, if you've saved them, they're still lost. But you can tell them about the love of Jesus. All right, let's go on. Revelation 7, we're back into this all-access backstage pass to the greatest show of judgment and mercy that the world has ever seen. And on the earth it is a time of unparalleled affliction but it's also a time of unprecedented grace there are two different groups in the book of Revelation chapter 7 one is the 144,000 from the 12 tribes of Israel and by the way that 144,000 they are on the earth during the Great Tribulation they operate with a holy protection a covering I want you to th- uh, think of maybe a a spiritual Teflon or or Kevlar that's over them there's a hundred and forty four thousand spirit-filled Jewish Christians that God releases on on the earth I believe before the four horsemen do all of their business but he releases them with the gospel to let everybody know on the world that Jesus loves them those who have not heard will have an opportunity to say yes they are released with an evangelistic mission during the great tribulation they will be preaching the gospel to all those who haven't heard the second group is the multitude that dies during the tribulation because they received Jesus during the tribulation and their soul goes to heaven you're saying well preacher I don't see any of that in the bible we've not read any of it yet but we're fixing to they get saved by trusting in Jesus and their salvation because they heard and they received the message from that group of 144,000 Jewish evangelist. Let's look how those two groups interact with one another, how they're affected by the great tribulation, how Jesus interacts with them. Group number 1, and I'm going to do this a little bit different because um I'm going to tell you about the multitude that dies during the tribulation and they come out of the tribulation as Christians and they go to heaven because these people are Christians because of what the 144,000 did. They became Christians because they heard the message of of the 144,000. Don't get don't get lost on me. I want to tell you about the second group before I tell you about the first group. The saved during the tribulation is the first group I want to show you, and that's going to be at the end of Revelation 7. After this, after I saw this, the 144,000 Jews, evangelistic Jews, I looked, and there before me was a what? Could anybody count them? Nope. The other group has a specific number, 144,000. We know what that is. This group you can't count. Two different groups. No one could count them. They're from every tribe. They're not Jewish. They're from every nation. They're not from Israel. They're people and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne. And they worshiped God saying, Amen! Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and then ever again. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, Hey John, who are those folks in the white robes? Who were they? And where did they come from? John answered, Dude, I don't know. And he said, Well, these are the ones that come out of the... These are the people who became Christians during the tribulation. They've washed their robes and they've made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They've been through the blood of Jesus. Therefore, they are before the throne of God. They have got VIP seats and they serve before the uh, the throne of God day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will spread His tent over them. What's the one on the What's the one on the throne do, church? Because this is going to get cool in the end. What's he do? He puts his, his, his tent over them. That means he has to lean forward to them. Well, what's that mean? What's that mean, preach? Well, this is what that means. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. Never again will the sun beat upon them or any scorching heat. Church, at the sixth seal, God says, I'll shake the earth, the sea will become you know all these things and the sky will be black Uh, the Sun will scorch the earth there won't be any crops there won't be any food what we're seeing in Revelation 7 God is saying these people suffered during the great tribulation the Sun beat down upon them they were thirsty they were hungry they were persecuted they were slaughtered they were murdered but when they died they went straight to heaven these are the folks who received Jesus in the tribulation reject the devil during the tribulation and lose their life in the tribulation whether because they get their head cut off or because they starve to death but they are there because they heard the gospel message church this group that hears the gospel they die during the tribulation they go to heaven they are not objects of God's judgment they don't die because God's judging them you don't die because God's judging you my friend you're saved you were born again You're a new child. You're a new person. You're in the family of God. You don't die as judgment. You die as a way for God to bring you into His presence. He uses death to bring us to glory. When we see the devil running this world for seven years, he's not doing it under his own power or his own authority. God is using the enemy to bring people into the presence of God. He's using them. They are innumerable, this multitude. They are innumerable. There's all nationalities. They are culturally varied. There is white, black, brown, yellow, off-white. You want to name it, the Bible says they are there. Now, I want you to see something Billy Graham said, and this is awesome. Jesus was not a white man. He was not a black man. He came from the part of the world that touches Africa and Asia and Europe. But Christianity is not a white man's religion. And don't let anyone tell you. That it is white or black. Christ belongs to all people. He belongs to the whole world. uh, Y'all, this isn't a white man or a black man thing or a yellow man thing. For God so loved the world. And here's the amazing thing, church. I believe when all of us from all races get closer to the cross of Christ, we'll get closer to one another. Because we'll understand we're all sinners. In light of the holiness and glory of God. Even when hell was released on earth during that seven-year tribulation, God still loves the world. He's still providing a way for those who've never heard to receive salvation. These people in the Great Tribulation in the latter part of Revelation 7, these people had been delivered from the horrors of earth, and they entered into the glory of heaven. There are palm branches going on, which is a call back to the Old Testament. During the Feast of Tabernacles, the Jews would wave branches representing their freedom from Egypt, and the Pharaoh entering into the Promised Land, and the presence of God being with them. As the Great Tribulation saints are waving the branches, they're saying, God is here he's taken us out of the hell that was in the world and we're in the promised land it was all a symbol it was all a foreshadowing it was all a type and shadow that we saw in the old testament being done in the book of revelation that's why it's important that we know a little bit about our jewish roots they're innumerable they're white black brown yellow they're holding branches and do you notice what they get when they first get there what's their clothes look like they get the uniform they get the uniform because they're, they're standing in the glorious uh, holiness of God. And they're they're this uniform. The Bible says that they're singing. So they've got new swag on. They're singing a new song. And they're serving God day and night. Man, these people are happy. They are excited. They just left the hell of the great tribulation because somebody told them about Jesus. Weren't you glad somebody told you about Jesus? Before it was too late. Who told them about Jesus. Who told them about the good news? Who told these people who got saved in the tribulation about the, about the gospel of Jesus? Well, I introduced the tribulation Christians first because they were actually told about Jesus by this first group, the 144,000. The reason why they're in Revelation seven is because the 144,000 preach the gospel to all the world. These great tribulation saints are the ones who say yes to Jesus during the tribulation. These people are responsible for these people coming to Christ. I wanna talk about these people, the 144,000. This is what the Bible says. Revelation chapter seven, verse one. After this, after this, by the way, would have been the sixth seal of Revelation six. I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or the sea or any of the trees. This is when this is when there's no wind. This is when uh, famine and disaster break out on the earth. What we're seeing right there is the beginning of the great tribulation. Holding the wind back in the sea. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east having the seal of the living God. He called out with a loud voice to the four angels who are about to release hell on the earth who've been given power to harm the land and the sea, issuing judgment upon the world and humanity. Don't harm the land or the sea or the trees yet. Don't do it yet. Hold up. Not until we put the seal on the head. Until we put the seal on the head of the servants of God. Church, they servants of God. This is not a trick question. What does a servant of God do? They serve God. And what they're doing to serve God in these latter days is to share the gospel with everybody on the world. They are serving Him by preaching the gospel. Put the seal on their heads. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed. How many was there? 144,000. 12,000 from each of the tribes of Israel. The one thing I will tell you, and I'm not going to read all the tribes for you. You can if you want to. Manasseh has replaced Ephraim. There's a sermon there. And Joseph has, has uh, replaced Dan. Uh, Dan was a town up in northern Israel that uh, got into idolatry and pagan worship. Lots of people think that sometimes the Antichrist will come from the tribe of Dan. Uh, That's another story. I preached that on a Wednesday night about two years ago, but uh, that's another sermon for another time. Uh, But there are 144,000 ethnic Jews from Israel that are released upon the earth during the Great Tribulation. They are protected with a supernatural protection. During the Great Tribulation, the gospel will be preached to all the nations by a supernaturally protected Teflon evangelistic gospel preachers from Israel. Well, I, I think we can see Revelation 7 much clearer if I bring what Jesus said about the world being preached the gospel and then the end come. I want to show you this text in the book of Matthew. And I want you to think about this text in the light of the first day of the Great Tribulation. When this 144,000 has been blessed from heaven to be released on the earth. And these 144,000, they weren't in heaven and then came to earth. They were already on the earth. But, this, but they have a covering on them, a protection. That all the stuff that's going on in the world will not affect them. You wanna, here's the thought for me. You know what Jesus did with 12 spirit-filled Christians for the last 2,000 years? That's why you're here. Because one spirit-filled Christian 2,000 years ago in Israel spread the gospel. And that's why you received it. Can you imagine what God will do with 144,000 Peter, James, and Johns running around this planet? Can't kill them, can't shoot them, can't hang them, can't burn them, can't starve them, can't dehydrate them. They're awesome. I mean, it's like Superman evangelists. All right. Matthew 24, 14. The good news about God's kingdom the good news about God's kingdom will be preached to all the world, to every nation, and then what? Growing up, I'm going to tell you what Ms. Pam and I thought. We always thought that that meant before the rapture would occur, everybody has to hear the gospel. Even the little pygmies down in, in Africa. Then the rapture can happen. What if I tell you that this really may not be what that text... Uh, what if I told you that, 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 that this text applies after the rapture? Because can I tell you something? The rapture is not the end. The rapture is the beginning of the end. The rapture is the beginning of the great tribulation. The end is not yet. So, I want to read that text to you again. Then I want you to think about what we just read in Revelation 7. The good news about God's kingdom will be preached in all the world to every nation. How? 144,000 Jewish evangelists released to the world to preach the gospel. Why? Because the church isn't there. The Christians are not. They've been removed. They've been gathered up. That gospel is preached all around the world after the rapture. And then, what happens? And then the end. Well, how is that gospel preached? With that 144,000 servants of God who come from Jewish descendants. 12,000 from each tribe. Supernaturally protected by the ra- from the wrath of God being spilled out by the scroll. They go through the great tribulation. Preaching, baptizing, making disciples in the name of Jesus how and here's the thing we think about oh well how does god cover those people to make them teflon uh, to put a teflon coating on them so they're not ever bothered Do you remember the first sermon i preached in this series remember why i tell you what they did with john and he came out looking like he was just awesome they put him in a vat of boiling and he came out without a blister this is john the one who wrote the book of revelation his captors put him in boiling oil and he came out and he wasn't even a burnt he wasn't even burnt This is the God who protects the 144,000. There was another account of John drinking poison as a way to execute him. Didn't die. Some people believe that that is a, uh, a fulfillment of Mark chapter 16 where it says you'll be bit by a venomous snake and you will not die and you will drink poison and not die. God is always in the habit of putting a supernatural anointing on people who have a mission. And church, I will tell you this, if God gives you a mission and a purpose and a plan for your life, the devil will not take, out of, will not take you out of here one minute before you get that done. God has a plan and a purpose for you. These people have a purpose to win the world to Jesus. Church, if God can change the world with 12 spirit-filled jewish christians two thousand years ago what do you think he could do with one spirit-filled church in randolph county what could he do with you what could he do with us how could we reach well think what god could do with this little church and church i believe that little is much when god's in it and may god use us for such a time as these during the great tribulation it's hard for us to imagine somebody accepting the devil and rejecting jesus Pick Jesus, I'm um, pick the devil over Jesus. Man, just be sad, but y'all. But there are people who prefer the devil over Satan today. Now, those who reject Jesus today are, are just as condemned as those who reject Jesus in the tribulation. You die today without Jesus, you will be in the same hell that the people who have rejected Jesus to the rapture and afterwards, you will be in the same hell as them. The people who reject Jesus during the Great Tribulation, they've never heard. Uh, those who reject Jesus, church, they stand just as condemned to those who die without Jesus today. There's not, another, there's not another level of hell for those Great Tribulation folks to go to. There's not another level of hell for people to go to today. If you've been holding off your decision of accepting Jesus as Savior, don't hold off a minute longer. You may not have it. If you've been holding off your decision to growing your faith until later, like going to a Connect group, don't hold off a minute later. Maybe you've been holding off serving God through this church, like being baptized or being a part of pray and go. Don't wait a minute later. Maybe you've been waiting to tell your family about Jesus's love, man. Don't wait, man. There's a chance they may not be able to say yes to Jesus after the rapture, and you won't be around to tell them about it then. The time of grace is quickly coming to an end, church, and the time of judgment is rapidly approaching to the world. Church, I will tell you this, the rapture is going to happen. The rapture is going to happen, whether you're ready or not. The rapture is going to happen. The seals are going to be broken, whether you're ready or not. So don't hold off a minute longer. But if you want to miss the tribulation, if you want to miss the persecution, if you want to miss the end times, if you want to miss hell, You don't want to miss this place that John describes as they were before the throne of God and they serve Him day and night in the temple and He sits on the throne will spread His tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down upon them nor scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and He will lead them to springs of living water and He will wipe away what? Now John uses an incredible word there. It means He wipes away their tears and they never come back. He wipes away their tears and it just might as well be like they don't have any tear glands anymore because He takes away the pain once and for all. Praise God. I'm looking forward to that day. That's what I'm talking about. I want to see that shepherd and that lamb, that waymaker, that promise keeper. Is He your shepherd? Is He your Savior? Is He your friend? Is He your Redeemer? As every head is bowed and every eye is closed. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Today, if you've not given Jesus your your heart, today you've not asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Today, you've not been serious about your surrender to Him. And today, maybe you realize that time is short. Time is running out today you don't know where you'd spend in eternity if this was your last day on this earth don't leave this house not knowing for sure because it's not an issue of guessing or hoping or assuming it's an issue of knowing for the bible says for these things have I written unto you that you may know you have eternal life do you know today if you'd like to give your life to it surrender your life to Him, I want to encourage you to pray with me this morning dear Jesus I am a sinner and I am in need of forgiveness I fall short of your glory. Jesus, you came and died in my place as the perfect Lamb of God. You redeemed me with your blood. Jesus, I confess I am a sinner and I profess my faith in you. Thank you for saving me, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name I pray and amen if you've said that prayer today for the very first time god bless you and welcome to the family if you genuinely meant that prayer i believe that god genuinely heard it today maybe you've prayed that prayer a long time ago but today you surrendered your life to god that's going to mean your your day your life is going to look different it means the growth in your spirit is going to be different you ever been to a big city and you get confused by all the one-way street signs coming from a little old town like Chester and going to a town with One way street signs, it's looking like a calf looking at a new gate. I struggle with it. But those signs are there for a reason. And so all the traffic is going in one direction, all the traffic is going one way. Nobody runs into one another. So far in the book of Revelation, it's almost like a one way street. All the elders are focused towards the throne. All the four living creatures are focused on the throne. The multitude is focused on the throne. Everything is focused on God. I'm going to be honest with you. God is worthy of all the blessing. He is worthy of all the praise. He's worthy of all the worship. But can I tell you what? I ask myself, what about me? If I want to be worshiping in heaven for, and I'm just going to be honest with you, maybe you don't feel that way and you're holy and God bless you. I'm thinking man up in heaven if all I'm doing is praising God I might get old after about 10 20,000 years might get a little boring now here's here's the thing it's because I've always thought heaven was a one-way street it's all focused on God and if that's the way it was then 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 okay I would rather be there than any ways else okay but in heaven I've always thought well it's just a one-way street it's all blessing and honor and things like that giving him all the praise and worship. But in Revelation 7, we see something a little bit different than what I thought. In Revelation 7, we see a multitude of people from every tribe and every tongue and every language in every people group. And they're all praising God and they're all praising the Lamb. And once again, it all looks like it's a one-way street. It's all about Him. But by the time we get to the end of the verse, the One who was seated on the throne is now moving forward and He's covering them With His hands. Church, I've got good news for you. When you get to heaven, it's not just about God, but it's also God being your best friend. Wiping away your every tear. Ministering to your calloused heart. Ministering to the pains that you brought out of earth. Church, when we get there, it's not just going to be Him saying, Oh, how great I am! He's going to go up to you, Brenda. And say, Man, it's sure good to see you. How you doing, kid? Welcome home. Well, that's a lot different than a one-way street, isn't it? That's not just about me going to God. That's also Him coming to me. That's heaven. That's heaven, my friend. God's relationship with us is a two-way street even in eternity. And this is easy to forget while we're on earth praising Him and serving God. we're not able to physically see God. But church, when we get to heaven, we'll see the God that we've been praying to, the God that we've been loving in our heart, the God we've been serving that we've not seen with our eyes. But church, when we get in them gates, our faith becomes our sight. It becomes reality. A more vigorous and vivid reality than what we have right now. Church, when we get home, it's not just about us praising and worshiping and serving and blessing Him for eternity. It's It's also about Him leaning into us and wiping away our tears but church i've got great news for you we don't have to wait to get to heaven before we start loving him and praising him we don't have to wait to heaven till we start giving him glory and praise let's start doing that a little bit right now